0: Hi, everyone. I just wanted to give you a trigger warning for this particular podcast episode with Lois Wagner. This episode covers topics of forgiveness, but it also includes story of some really tough things like rape. And um, I just wanted to give you a warning before you listen to it. If you are at all sensitive, um, please don't listen. If you are have children around you that would be better off not listening, then you might want to skip this episode or listen when you are in a quiet place. The message is very important. It's a beautiful message of forgiveness, but the circumstances through which forgiveness was needed are difficult to listen to. So thanks for listening. And um, if you want to skip this one, by all means, do that. There will be more great episodes just ahead. Thanks so much. Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now here's your host, Robin
1: Quinn Keen.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Liberated Life. This is your host, Robin Quinn Keen, and I have a very interesting woman with me today who is going to talk about forgiveness, which obviously is very important if you're looking to have more freedom in your life, if you're carrying about a bunch of baggage around and unforgiveness, It is really tough to find freedom. So Lois, welcome today. You are a survivor and a thriver, and you've gone from having some really tough things happen, and you've made your way through all of those stages to now helping people find way more freedom in their lives through forgiveness. And you've got quite the story, and I'm going to ask you to tell us your story. I know that you're also an author, a speaker, a certified coach, very interested in finding out how you help people and finding out more about your book, too, and what you what you love to talk about, what drives you and what motivates you. So welcome, Lois. Great to have you here.
1: Great. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, hi, everybody. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Thanks, Robin.
0: Absolutely. So, Lois, I read about your story, but obviously our listeners are meeting you for the first time I would love to hear your story, and it's not the easiest story to tell, I'm sure, although you've probably been telling it forever and you've moved through all of this, but uh, when I read your bio, I was like, wow, you've been through quite some really large life things, and I know everybody goes through stuff, but you, I think, are in a perfect position to help people who are struggling with um, big events that seem unfair or involve other people that are tough to forgive, so I'd love to hear your story.
1: Okay, well, it started when I was 40 years old. I was in partnership in a small digital printing business. And I was working late one night in a little secure courtyard. Uh, The courtyard had an eight-foot wall around it. And I was working alone at night. And, yeah, the opening of my book says, the first I was aware of him, he had an arm around my neck and a screwdriver in my neck. So that's the start of the book. So I, I fought this man with everything that I had. Unfortunately, I lost that fight and he, he left me very, very injured, raped me, tied me up and basically left me for dead. So that was, that was the start. (laughs) Um, So that was when I was 40 and it wasn't very much longer later than that it was a couple of months later I didn't want to be on the premises anymore and my partner agreed to buy me out and instead of buying me out he put the business into liquidation and I lost everything and went deep into debt so I had a double whammy it was really a bad time for me.
0: I can't even imagine Lois just the first coping with all of the implications of the brutal attack. I've never had that situation. I've had a couple that have been, I thought maybe I was going to die and I didn't, thank God for that. But um, just living with that kind of experience and the fear and all of the things that happen in our brains when we endure something like that, that that must have just been shocking and such a process for you. And then to have the next thing happen, what did, what did you do after that? Was there more? I mean, that's plenty for a lifetime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at that time, um, first of all, the prisoner was appreh- the the rapist was apprehended and he was given a 25 year prison sentence. So I was, you know, remember this was before the Me Too movement, people didn't talk about rape in polite circles, you know, the word was never mentioned, and we didn't know how serious this pandemic was, this sexual violence, you know, you always thought it happened to the lower social economic groups, it didn't happen to, to middle class people, it just didn't happen. Um, and so I was really angry You yeah, know, obviously you angry anyway but I was in addition the fact that it happened to me in my circle it just didn't make sense at all so I it was at the time when South Africa was moving from apartheid to democracy and they were calling for submissions for a new constitution and I Became an activist. I wanted to change the law. The rapist had been out on bail for rape, and I just thought, this is wrong. Why is he out on the streets? And I wanted to change the world. So I became this activist, and I lobbied, and I got petitions, and I led marches, and I was really determined to make a, a difference. Anyway, I didn't make much of a difference and I went back, got myself a job back in the corporate world and life continued uh, for about two years, I think. And then one day I couldn't get out of bed. I was in such pain, x-rays and scans. I had a back operation that failed. I had a second back operation that failed. I was bedridden um, for about six months until my sister advised me that it was psychosomatic, that there was nothing wrong with me, it was all in my head, because the the theory is that when you don't face your problems properly, you put them behind you until your back can't take it anymore, and eventually your back collapses, so what was happening, because I was out there being this activist and lobbyist, and everybody was so proud of me! I was so brave and I was so strong, and everybody thought I was amazing. Uh, and really, I didn't hadn't dealt with it properly. So by lying in bed, I could be weak and pitiful and worries me, and everybody could fuss and worry worry about me. So while I get better. It was kind of nice to be weak and pathetic, <laughs> and so. And um, I had to forgive myself for that, for that frame of mind. That was one of the, the, the forgivenesses that I had to do is forgive myself. Um, and yeah, I, once I worked on, on my mind and uh, got up, and I had eight chiropractic treatments. And after the surgeon said I would never hike or scuba dive again, because I couldn't carry anything on my back. I did a five day hike with a 29 kilogram backpack my back. <laughs>
0: wow. So what is what yeah. a story, Lois. And isn't that interesting? Um, just the whole journey. The whole journey is very interesting going into you know, wanting to change things and becoming an activist. And then the back injury. Well, it's fascinating to me. I'm here's what I'm what's coming up is that you know Dr. Joe Dispenza, right? Do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? Yes, yes, yes. He talks about a woman who whose husband committed suicide and left her with the two kids and anyway she she didn't deal with it and she went into such deep despair and and actually had all these physical ailments that just overtook her, right? And it was like one thing after the other. And what it really came down to was what you just said. There was all this trauma. She didn't work through it. She was dealing with it the way she could, but it ended up in her physical body, causing her all kinds of things, very similar, right? To the point that they didn't expect her to survive. They didn't expect her to get out of bed again. That is just fascinating. So what was it that that enabled you to get back on your feet and get back out doing the things you love? What what was the process that you went through?
1: Well, that in the short term was just processing the, the, the self and the self forgiveness for my back. But what happened was 13 years after the rape, I left the country and I went to go and live in the Middle East. And I'd been away for a year and I was coming back to South Africa for my first holiday. And in all those 14 years, I had not thought about the rapist situation in jail, passing thoughts, but nothing serious. I never really thought about him. And I I don't know what prompted me, but I contacted the prison authorities and I was told that he was coming up for parole on the 10th of September. And I was landing in the country on the 9th of September. And in addition, the law had just changed a few months before, allowing what they call victims of serious crime to attend parole hearings. It was all too much of a coincidence. So I thought, well, I must go. (laughs) And everybody advised me not to go. They said I'd get triggered. And what was the point? And was I going to endorse his, his parole? and I said, I don't know, I'm allowed to go, so I'm going, and um, one friend of mine said, well, I must forgive, and I said, don't be stupid, you you know, how can I forgive what this man did to me, changed my life, and um, thought about it, and I researched, I went to Mr. Google, and I found a whole bunch of stuff on forgiveness, And I prepared this long speech (laughs) and off I went to the prison not knowing if I would actually forgive him or not. And I sat in this parole hearing and after they'd finished all the formal proceedings, they asked if I had anything to say. So I said, yes. And I pulled out my speech and I started reading it. And as I was reading this, I thought, this is a load of rubbish. I thought it was quite academic he had a grade six education and English wasn't his first language so he never understood it I don't think I understood it (laughs) Um, but I read it and then when I finished reading it I just looked up and I looked him in the eyes and I said to him I compassionately and completely forgive you and I hand back the responsibility to you and I take back my freedom and I can't put into words what happened as I said that I could feel everything all the angst everything just leaving me it it was complete freedom at in that moment I broke that bond that tie that had kept me in my place of victimhood all those years I broke that tie completely and the the authorities said to me they would let me know in seven days if he got parole or not and I just looked at them and I said no I don't need to know I don't want to know he now has nothing more to do with me I have no need to know his status and I didn't walk out of that prison I flew out of that prison
0: Oh my goodness. Well, um, I know nobody can see me, but I have goosebumps and I have tears. That's just like, really, when you said that, it just really impacted. I'm still feeling it, Lois. That's amazing. (laughs) Remarkable. You know, you hear these stories about people forgiving and you, you know, some of us have seen things on TV, real, real life things where somebody's being tried for murder they've killed somebody's child and the family's outside afterwards on the court steps and saying we forgive him or whatever and you're always just like wow what does that take what does that take but on the other side of that is what is the cost of not getting to that point right uh, and so this is my listeners have not heard the story but i have a friend from um, high school that i dated And he's on death row at San Quentin for murders. He became a serial killer. Now I know some of you are going to hear that and go, Robin, are you crazy? What? You have a friend who's a serial killer. I know I don't seem like the type, but what is the type? (laughs) When I found out, I, I will tell you, I didn't know anything about any of this because we didn't have TV for seven years. When I, when we our kids were little, we just disconnected the TV. I didn't read the news, and so I was living in my happy little bubble right of, of not knowing what was going on. It was all over the news Wall Street Journal, LA Times. I mean, it was just everywhere, right? So many people don't understand the whole concept of forgiving when and he didn't do anything to me, but he killed a bunch of women, right? And so, I've had people question me, like, how can you ever go there and spend time with him in san quentin how can you talk to him on the phone how can you be his friend and it's like well i can because he's another human being and he's done terrible things and he knows it he turned himself in and he never wanted to do anything again but there but i think about living with hatred towards somebody or unforgiveness towards somebody And just what it does to you when you live that way. Now, I'm not saying anything about his victims. I'm not asking for anybody to do anything. But what you did requires tremendous courage and mental fortitude. But look at the freedom, Lois, that you've created for yourself by no longer having that power that he had over you. That's not even a part of your experience anymore. And it's that. It's like he doesn't have any sense of the power he had right like but you know what power he had until you could forgive it
1: and you know it's important that people realize that you know you go through a a journey of healing after whatever the challenge or the adversity was it doesn't have to be something as horrendous as murder or what I experienced but you go through a journey and the journey it's different for everybody but you do experience different phases so your first phase is a victim and that's where it's you're full of fear and hatred and blame and all kinds of sadness and all the bad negative emotions and it's a natural place to be and you need to go through that and when you're in victim mode there is no way you can consider forgiving it's just impossible Then you move into the survivor mode and that's where you you start getting courageous and creative and you start bargaining and trying to make sense of what happened. And even in survival mode, you can't forgive because you're trying to get your life back together uh, and so you can't forgive and and you need resilience. That's where you've got to really develop your resilience to become a survivor. Then to move on to the next stage, which is to thrive that is where you've got the grit that's where you find your passion and you find new direction and you you're creating a new reality and you're forging forward with uh, with passion and persistence and perseverance and then you can at that phase you can consider forgiving but also know that you may fall backwards you know even though you're a thriver something triggers you you can fall right back into victimhood So whilst I I became a survivor almost immediately because I became this activist. And so I didn't dwell too long in the victim mode, but I fell back into victimhood often during my journey. But once I got into that thriving mode, achieving success again, and it was at that point that I was ready to forgive.
0: Well, and I'm sure you would agree, everybody's process is different. There's no timeline on this. There's no should or shouldn't. It is the process that you go through. And you said, and I agree with you, I mean, you had something horrific happen. My friend in San Quentin did horrific things and a lot of people are impacted by that, right? But this forgiveness journey that you're talking about, Lois, this can apply to things like infidelity, um, somebody stealing from you, somebody breaking your heart. It, can, I mean there is so much potential for being hurt, <laughs> you know, as we risk ourselves in, in anything, right? In anything that we do, there is the potential for some kind of hurt to occur. And I think this process you're talking about applies to anything, right? Any Anything where we consider ourselves having been hurt or victimized, that's the danger is staying in victim mode because there's nothing beautiful that comes from victim mode. There must, you know, for us to live a fulfilled, happy, free life, we need to learn how to move through these steps that you just mentioned. So do you help people, Lois, go through a journey? I know you're a coach and you're a writer, an author, a speaker, you do so many things. Do you help people go through
1: this journey? How do you do that? Yes, I do. I've got a, I've got a free 12-step guide that people can get on, on forgiveness a lot of people you know when, when I did my forgiveness for <laughs> it was such a long involved process and it did take me 14 years and I say to people please don't wait 14 years let me help you do it a lot sooner <laughs> don't carry that burden for for that long Uh, yes you can't do it when you're in victim mode but let's get you out of victim mode fairly rapidly (laughs) let's move on so I help people I I help them develop their resilience to move out of victim mode I help them develop their grit to find new focus and then I help them forgive
0: so very very important and I didn't have you a few years ago but I went through, through some things that were very hard for me and uh, somebody pointed me to a book called Radical Forgiveness, and I went through that process. Are you familiar with that work?
1: I am, and there's so many, you know, any, any system is good, <laughs> you know. The one I used from all my Googling research, it was a bit too academic and a little bit too, you know, half-faluting, I don't know, but it, it got me to where I needed to be. Yeah. So any steps you take in the right direction, and, and one of the tips I advise people is to just practice forgiveness every day. You know, writing a gratitude journal is is like the thing. Everybody writes three gratitude things every day. I say add to that and write three forgiveness things. Forgive yourself for shouting at the dog. Forgive your partner for burning the dinner. You know the little things, the easy things to forgive. If you, the minute by, by practicing forgiveness it becomes easier and easier so when you have to forgive the major things it's not that difficult anymore
0: oh that is brilliant I really love that that makes so much sense I'm looking at my wall because I have on there uh, I guess it's forgiveness stuff it's uh, I have four things that I look at every day which is unembedding judgment which is a way of forgiving right Uncorking frustration when I'm frustrated. Got to find a way to deal with it, right? Not keep it bottled up. Observe what's happening with compassion. And the last one is keep myself in neutrality. And I think what we're talking about. This is these are things I. I it's on my wall, so I look at that every day, and I go, okay, what am I judging? Am I judging myself right now? Am I judging somebody else? Which, if I am. I need to acknowledge it, right? Like, and that's what you're saying is acknowledging that there were maybe some things to forgive today. But instead of doing that, we just kind of like, oh yeah, it didn't really matter. It's not that big of a deal. But if we actually sat with it and said, "Hmm, I'm forgiving myself. I'm going to unembed judgment right now of myself or somebody else. What a powerful tool to just have in your pocket. So when there's something that is more significant, it just makes so much sense. You've had some practice with it it's part of your daily routine or context, it makes sense, it would be much easier than to employ it when you need it on something bigger.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. practice makes perfect.
0: <laughs> yes, and these things really do take practicing. It's, and it depends on how you grew up too, I think, in terms of forgiveness, right? If you grew up in a family where it was spoken and you know, with our kids, I've got four kids and with the kids, when they offended each other or did something that you know caused upset we didn't just ask them to say i'm sorry we asked them to say i'm sorry for doing this will you forgive me and they all knew forgiveness was not required it was an option but it was recommended (laughs) and it might not and, and for the person for asking for forgiveness they had to know that sometimes, depending on how offended or upset somebody was, there was, they needed to wait for it. it and the person who was being asked it, uh, of it, whatever, <laughs> the person who was being talked to about it, they, they could take their time. They could decide if they were ready to forgive or not. So we did a lot of this conversation, but I don't remember this with my parents. I don't remember them talking about these things. So I think the more we talk about it, even with our kids, the more we give them tools to know that there is a give and take and forgiveness is not required. But, you know, I remember asking one of my kids who refused to forgive for a few days, like, how are you feeling? Right? They weren't feeling good at all. The other kid had basically forgotten about it by then. But the one who had not forgiven was still carrying this offense around. And, yeah, it's, it's it sucks yeah. your time and energy. It's not a good place to be.
1: Do you know the open, open Up prayer? maybe what is it tell, it's just it's just four lines i'm sorry please forgive me i thank you and i love you oh yes
0: yes beautiful
1: very powerful yeah can you
0: say it one more time i want to make sure everybody heard that
1: her open opener i'm sorry please forgive me i thank you and i love you mm.
0: beautiful what a great practice to have and even when we're talking to ourselves right maybe especially
1: (laughs) when we're self-forgiveness is so important and self-love you know you've got to take care of you first Mm -hmm.
0: yes absolutely well Lois what a beautiful story and I'm so grateful that you shared your journey now you go and speak to people you help people you coach them you've written a book is your book your autobiography is that what it is
1: yeah and it's a it's Part memoir, part self-help guide. So it's got reflections and lessons in it as well.
0: Lovely. And what is the name of the book and where can we find it?
1: Walking Without Skin and it's on Amazon. Beautiful. If
0: you've enjoyed this conversation with Lois, I would highly recommend that you go get her book. It sounds like uh, the opener sounds like a real grabber, right? Like, oh my gosh! Now we know the opener, but anyway, I'm—I I actually I have um, a couple of my kids are really into like true crime and stuff. They probably read it just because, and then they get all the gems, right? All of the all of the self help, which is really lovely. So, Lois, you have a website where people can connect with you and hear more and, and see more about you? Walking
1: Without Skin.
0: Walking Without Skin. The book, the website. What a brilliant Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, Lois, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up for today?
1: Very quickly, my new movement that I'm starting, it's called Be Brave. You know, I've I've been working on helping people overcome their trauma. And I thought, why do we have this trauma in the first place? Mm. So I want to stop the trauma happening. Mm. And so I've started this Be Brave. Um, and what it stands for is boundaries, respect, agreement, values, and vulnerability, equality, and empowerment. And if we can teach everybody to be brave and people learn to respect each other, maybe we can stop this harassment and sexual and gender-based violence.
0: Wow, that is a great acronym and a very ambitious and powerful new movement you've got going on there. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to have to go check that out too. I read about it in your bio, but I thought, wow, I don't know enough about what it is. So are you, can people find out out about that on your website
1: as well well I have got I have got a brief because I'm I'm really launching it fully on Monday oh wow I'm going to be launching it on YouTube and I invite people to come and give just 10 minute interviews on how they think people should be to be brave
0: wow wonderful okay well good luck with that that sounds amazing and you are a very powerful voice and I look forward to seeing what you end up doing with that and how many people you can get to come on board because that's a very worthwhile undertaking.
1: Perfectly, I'd love you to come and talk on Russia.
0: Thank you very much. I would be honored, Lois. Well, it's been really wonderful having you here today. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart just because it's so daily. It's just such a daily thing that we deal with being offended or being upset, you know, even by our children, my grandson, who I love dearly, you know, he sometimes triggers me as well. And it's all about returning to love at the end of the day, returning to love, um, returning to the freedom of just forgiving little things. And and then, then the really big things. And I think that's always a choice, but certainly that's a choice for freedom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I like to say, fly free.
0: Yes. Well, some people know this. I have one tattoo on my body. I will show it to you, Lois. I don't know if you can see it very well, but it says freedom. And on the top of the M, the, the top of the M is cut off and it's a little bird flying away.
1: nice. Very nice.
0: Yeah, the one I have, I got a tattoo before any of my children. They're like, Mom, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, actually, it's the most important value. And I see the butterfly in front of you or behind you on your screen with the woman standing, ah, there we go, gorgeous. Yes, well, I know you can't see that if you're listening, but Lois just showed me her beautiful butterfly image and uh, an actual butterfly that she has out of styled for her that she can hold up too. So I love that you and I have very similar values, Lois. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. And um, be sure to look in the show notes for all the information about Lois and a link to her website and go check her out. I know I'm going to put her book on my reading list for this coming spring. So thank you so much, Lois. And thanks to everybody who is listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Liberated Life. Bye. Thank
1: you, Robin. Thanks, everyone. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.